Had our halftime oranges, yeah. our cup of tea. We've had our manager yell at us, or coach. Mm-hmm. And we're now trotting out for the second half. And how clubs are going to start thinking about the medium to long term to help support the re-emergence of sport, both being watched and played, getting over the post-traumatic stress of this. Yeah, I mean, I could just do my sort of politician's answer and say, well, you know, no one really knows, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that would be, I mean, I, that'd probably be a response that you hear from quite a few people in the industry. And it, and it, and it is a response that I've heard from, from quite Fortunately, a few people I've got in my, the industry um, as well. My, my best frost hat on today. Okay. My hair. Okay. So I'm actually, I'm not going to take any politicians dodge. It is, it is part of a guessing game at the moment. People are, are you know, no one really knows how things are going to emerge after this. I think in terms of getting, getting fans back into stadiums, I think that from the majority of clubs I've spoken to, the, the focus is probably on um, getting the, the live matches back. Obviously, that, that's, that, that, that's first and foremost. So whether or not it's behind closed doors initially and fans still, um, their only access to the game is through you know, watching that or having it streamed online. Maybe the broadcast rights for, for sports will, will continue to change. You know, whether, whether or not clubs who... You know, Many, many different clubs and many governing bodies are, are, are launching their own OTT platforms. They're trying to go direct to consumer with um, you know, players um, that are being heavily used right now to, to replay archive content. Just on my phone, as we were speaking, a, a, a pop-up came up from a very, uh, very big sort of sporting governing body that was uh, giving me the option to watch a classic international match if I wanted to. So they're already doing that at the moment. And whether or not there'll be any lingering um, residue of that once the, the, the live match actually comes back or whether people will be reassessing you know, whether or not they, they, they do go increasingly direct to consumer in terms of streaming of games direct to, direct to audiences um, I think that will be definitely a, um, a point that's, that's something that's not going away it wasn't going away anyway but I think it's been uh, the conversations on it have been accelerated by this sort of um, by the situation that we find ourselves in at the moment, really, where these these platforms that were they were doing okay, um, but um, maybe not generating some of the viewing figures they hoped for in this period. Of course, people have flocked to them uh, during the vacuum of live sport, and uh, I think it's probably only given them more ideas about how they could be increasingly involved in actually the streaming of actual live action week in week out. There is an acceptance of uh, almost. Uh, taking things for granted when it comes to numbers of impressions that uh, clubs will get on their sites. Um, the fact is they don't have to worry about driving people to their web destinations because they know that you're not going to like just go to an, another shop or another a brand. Loyalty to a sports team is completely different to even what we preach, emotional loyalty to a, a retail brand, for example. Yeah. They don't really know who these fans are, if I'm honest. And I always find that quite shocking. Is there a value and should clubs be thinking about how to gather more information and starting to build profiles or awareness of a rounded person and not just a fan? A hundred percent, yes. During this period, the clubs that are data rich have been sort of um, in, in quite a good position because they can look at those fans' profiles, uh, which they're gradually padding out through you know, um, both using the experiences platform and other communication methods as well via email as well. Um, th- those padded out profiles that they've started to build um, on fans, that's enabled them to you know, create these these custom audiences, segment their audience a lot better so that so they know which parts of their fan base enjoy which type of content and then actually serve those fans 
content that's far more relevant to them during this period. The, the, the clubs and the organizations that are data rich, they're benefiting from that right now. And it's only showing clubs that aren't perhaps the importance of doing that going forward. And I think what we mentioned right at the start around how sports has shifted um, and how many more different interactions or interaction points there are now for fans um, with their clubs um, across you know, all manner of channels now um, that presents an opportunity because there, there's, there, there's a data trail there. So we know very well, you know, you should be engaging fans on your own platforms. You should be engaging them across social. Those are two very different uh, audiences. The demographics there are different as well. Yes, yeah, certainly I'd say there's, there, there's huge benefits in clubs um, using the, the, the proliferation of these social platforms and, uh, and, and using those opportunities to capture data off those fans not in a way purely just to to sell to them obviously that is a focal point but to to to, to better tailor the content that they actually are serving them because uh, in situations like this even though you can't really plan for it the, the clubs that have been doing that anyway they're they're much better placed to yep. to be adaptable in a in this situation and that's what we've seen um and you can still collect content during this period in fact if you're trying to catch up i'd say it's a great um opportunity to to, to launch data capture activations at this point, just so you can start to understand who these fans are and what they're engaging with more than uh, other types of content. I'm going to put my cheetah hat on and be a bit selfish in this. My leopard skin pillbox hat, if uh, Bob was here. <laughs> well, you must tell me, baby, how your head feels under something like that. Under your brand new leopard skin pillbox hat. Our customer engagement suite. Our engagement data platform, which is at the center of that, a place where we can collect lots of information and ingest information that's already collected from other areas of the business to help build what is a marketing profile and a marketing database for people to action on. There are very few organizations in the world that could quickly build a profile on Julian Bracey Davis, which he's happily given better than a sports team. If you're the mega fan they've got, it's making sure that you are following their life. More casual fan, maybe I've been identified because I said it in a filling out one of the quiz questions when I was voting for my all-time favourite player. I go to a match maybe once a season. Wouldn't that be a great way if you could entice them back for a second match, especially if that second match is during one of the games, certainly in the MLB, for example, where the attendance is a little bit dipped towards the, the mid of the season. The, the need to have and to take seriously in this time where there's a bit of time to take stock, to think about a data strategy wherever it lives and to have that data actionable is surely the way that all clubs, big and small can make a, make a difference and sort of future proof themselves, which is a word, a buzzword I really don't like, but I just used it. So I'll, I'll give myself a yellow card. I think as well as sort of people being you know, anxious and um, eager to present fans with as, as much as possible, I think there's, there's also a really good time for, for sports clubs and, and, and for governing bodies and leagues to take the opportunity to reflect on the way in which they've done things. And you know, when it comes to data strategy, uh, I think what's, what's quite useful to use this time to do is to think about we're always speaking with clubs about and, and, and leagues about 
what data points actually are the most valuable for them. So as you mentioned there, there's, there, there's a whole variety of data points around sort of a fan's life and, and key moments in their life that are very important to be aware of. So it's about maybe t taking this time to to think about what constitutes a golden record. You know, I mean, you, you, you've got a set of data on a fan anyway, the chances are you want to pad that out with more uh, preferential data. Obviously, we, we're big on zero party data and talk about that a lot. And um, as, as you mentioned, sort of uh, sports are very lucky because they have so many different opportunities to, to engage with the same fans uh, throughout the, you know, the majority of the season. So things like you know, functionality like progressive profiling to, you know, to gradually ask different preference-based questions maybe each month or things like that. that those are the sort of strategies that, that we were seeing from clubs. Audience segmentation, knowing which audiences are perhaps best to, to serve to specific partners for, for, for partner Absolutely. content, very valuable. Brilliant point. Um, and you know, especially with travel that was mentioned now, uh, thinking on the number of travel partners that are involved with sports as well, knowing how best to, to, to retarget those fans when it does become a possibility for them to, to get out and about again. Um, you're having an audience that you know um, engages readily with that content and that brand very very effective at this um at this stage but yeah you can use this opportunity i'd say to think about what those data points are whether there's 10 or 12 of them that are the your golden data points that make up that golden record what does that look like for each individual sporting brand or sporting club um, and then use this period as sort of a, a pre-season an off-season you know you know quite a few of the experiences that we launch with with clubs and with brands um you know brands don't always have that off-season luxury to to, to use it as a test sort of kitchen, but your know, sports clubs, uh, we used to frequently you know, have brainstorming sessions on, you know, what are the 10 experiences that are high volume experiences that, that perhaps we, we want to run throughout the season regularly. Um, and let's test them out in preseason um, to see how effective they are. And then the best ones, uh, the best performing uh, versions of them, those are the ones that are then selected and rolled out um, across the, the duration of the season and you can take learnings from that as well so I think clubs should look at this period and um, try and, and use it as that sort of test kitchen environment to find out what data they really need from fans um, and, 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 and try and uh, yeah, work on segmentation of their fan bases as well because throughout this they'll be able to see what content uh, is, is resonating best with, uh, with fans and um, they should take those insights and, uh, and roll them into their future strategy. So many Good points there, has and obviously the golden golden record you're talking about is very different to golden balls, which is yeah. Bex and Bex, of course, yeah, golden gold. Do you remember that Euro '96? <laughs> that was the the fated experiment for golden goal. I do remember it. Yes, yeah. And for those who aren't sure, basically an extra time in this uh, in the European Championship. <clears throat> this is when it was hosted in England, and England were footballs. Apparently going to come home. Didn't quite make it home. It forgot. It's, uh, it was like home alone. It, it, half the family made it, but they left the, the trophy Heaven. in Germany. Yeah. The golden goal was if you scored, obviously, in that extra time, you instantly won. Next goal wins, which is something we love at school, kicking yes. around, jumpers for goal posts. It will just be an attack fest. You know, chances and chances. And what happened is 
the teams were like, well, we don't want Terrifying. to concede because we're out. So they completely, <laughs> it was like, a, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Kayla, with that Simpsons episode where they sort of introduced the World Cup of soccer. It comes to Springfield and basically there's this, it passes it back and forth, back and forth. The Continental Soccer Association is coming to Springfield. It's all here. Fast kicking, low scoring and ties. <laughs> you bet. Halfback passes to the center. Back to the wing. Back to the center. Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. Halfback passes to center. Back to wing. Back to center. Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. One of the things that we keep talking about is the fan base. But what about the opportunities for some of these smaller clubs and teams to come through and build a fan base so acquiring new fans whether that's a fans of maybe it's like the regional baseball team that likes the national version of the MLB what are ways that you know these smaller clubs and teams can start thinking about how to acquire those fans yeah so I think it's I mean obviously acquisition of new records acquisition of new fans is is just as important for some clubs, especially those who are smaller, as you mentioned. Um, and it comes down to two things. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot, really, but it, in, this, in this period, it's even more important. There's always a focus around value exchange and what you're able to actually offer, offer people to entice them to engage with you. If you're, if you're trying to entice new fans, um, it's, it's all going to depend on the quality of content that, 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 that you're putting out during this period. I mean, there are, there are initiatives here that we've already spoken about that, that actually reach beyond sports really so if, if you're thinking around some of these community-based experiences that can be launched um those are ways in which you can engage with audiences that perhaps wouldn't have read you know, immediately engaged with you beforehand but because it's now focused around communities instead um they're more willing to you know provide some data to give a nomination to give that example that we mentioned earlier on around local heroes those types of pieces of content that focus more around initiatives that can you know keep people healthy um keep people you know positive during this period i think that's quite a good opportunity to seize on on seize on that content as a way of enticing new fans uh, to engage with um engage with the club um uh, and then also as well um it, 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 it's the way in which you promote those new focal points as well so those new live streams of games and those new those new player challenges that people are putting out across social you know those players actually very often are um you know they're brand ambassadors across the board as well but they're you know, they, they have their own fan bases those players and surprisingly enough not the not everybody who follows their every move on, on, across social um would be um you know, clubs would be aware of them for example so i think leaning more on players uh, to, to to produce content that's attached to clubs um and then you know data catcher experiences um off the back of it, it actually opens you up to a new audience of fans that you know, perhaps wouldn't have been in a club's database beforehand, who can then be um, you know, uh, targeted in the future as well. So I'd say player access and, and the audiences that players have at their disposal, very important. Even if you are a smaller club, now is a very good opportunity, I'd say, to um, do experiences and, and, and put out more content where you're trying to build awareness of those players' personalities. One of the challenges that we see um, even with the bigger clubs in, in promoting women's football um, and that we're working on very heavily at the moment is experiences that are all around 
um, you know, building the relationship between fans and these uh, and these athletes who may not be that well known. So not David Beckham, not those kind of athletes who you know, the world knows their personality over um, you know, doing experiences that convey their personality. Um, it, it, it's a similar challenge. So it's you know, you, you're putting content out there to to really storytell and, and and get fans in that way effectively. The MLS's unique perspective yeah. of creating franchises. All of what you just said then is an ex- is a perfect way for those, and they're the perfect test beds of how to create a club from scratch and generate <laughs> all of the 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 fan base interest and and um, database on who they are because there's nothing there before. And it's, it's, it's a, uh, we've worked on a few MLS new teams in the last uh, five years. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating to watch both how, how we're involved actually just uh, from a side as a, as a strategic partner. Those lessons though, to your point, Kayla, they can all be applied to a medium to small club um, or, or to someone who's basically just taking a fresh look at how they're doing things. It's easier for the the brand new franchise to start from nowhere because anything's a gain. So they come up with all this stuff and all these strategies and they can actually start building a a brand new shiny world of fans. Mm -hmm. But for the smaller to medium clubs, those same things, they're almost in a a better place because they've got all the things we started at the outset of this call. They've got history, they've got content, and they've got an already embedded fan base so how can you actually just take that to the next level you're very passionate about sports and i mean marketing in general with experiences it'd be interesting to hear you know what is your soapbox what's that passionate subject that like you just have to kind of step up and talk about i think lots of the things that we've talked about today that 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 clubs put out across all sports not just soccer and it could be any sporting league um they're designed to you know, make fans feel like you know, there's less of a proximity or the, the, the proximity between them and their club is, you know, it's limited. They can, somebody in Singapore could feel close to a club in, in Canada or, or, or wherever in the US or, or the UK by the content that they engage with that's put out um, you know, uh, online. Um, but my soapbox is usually around um, you know, people who are actually going to, to games and things like that. It's usually, it's usually on ticketing prices, to be honest, that's where I get angry. That's why I tend to right. say too much um, because I think, I mean, we, we've spoken a lot around community and the focus on community and, and clubs are do, do, doing some really great work here. But I think one thing that could come out of this whole situation is clubs across the board in you know, whatever sport we're, we're talking about, taking a look again at just how accessible uh, their sports have been for you know, the fans that live within their local communities who they're now relying upon obviously um, and amplifying um, yeah, for me obviously you know, talking about you know, the Premier League here I think, I think there's uh, I, I would like to see sort of updates there maybe reflection on how they could make the game more accessible for you know, for younger fans um, because you know you th- there's never not a reason to get a, a, a wider audience you know into into a sport um, and you can learn a lot more around um, you know, just exactly who actually is engaging with um, with your club, with your brand, um, by making it more affordable. So yeah, that's, I said say that's usually my soapbox. I like that. Um, that and probably something to do with uh, VAR, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to bring that up. 
you're you're just a well-rounded young man may i say <laughs> what a tremendous job your uh, your parents did with you but harry other than being a sports aficionado you're also um, a man with a keen music ear so i would just like to know if there's anything you would uh, share with myself and kayla and the wider audience of what we should be listening to at the moment what's uh, today listening to the uh the strokes new album yeah they're still around it does it feels like a return to form and actually i mean even the album name is 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 appropriate for the times we live in as well the new abnormal it's called as well so i definitely get people to go on that there's a a band that i love called little dragon um and they released their their new album new me same us um and they're they're great they're like dance electronic um but pretty light-hearted and if it's sunny where you are as well they're they're quite a good um, group to listen to. 